0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: So I'm Rob Black. I want to talk a little bit about my history in investing. I was born many moons ago. No, no, I'm not going to go all that far back. But I remember at Christmas time, when I was seven or eight, wanting an Atari 2600. I was probably eight. And that year, I got an Atari 2600. And it changed my world. I suddenly wanted to become a hacker. Suddenly, I wanted to make games for a living. The games weren't very good. In hindsight, they're awful. I've I've shown them to my children. They're like, boring. What do you mean you have no skins? (laughs) Like. And I get it, right? But at that point in time, I started learning about digitizing things. I went from playing with G.I. Joes to playing on a screen. Dragon's Lair, the video game, the arcade game. I remember seeing that and going, I want to save a princess. But you have to jump through these chess plays in the video game, and you, you die, and they'd ask for another quarter. And then... You start stealing money from your mom's purse, and you start seeing that it's addictive. But again, entertainment went from going out in the woods and smoking cigarettes to going to the arcade and drinking Coca-Cola or Mountain Dew or Mellow Yellow, in my case. Um, The military, we had—I was was a military brat, so we always had to stay on base because I lived in Germany and Japan and Turkey, and there's— Greece, there's always this fear of if you left the base, you might get killed. On base, it was all American soldiers, all American families. Off the base, they spoke different languages. But one of the things militaries did was they provided arcades for kids, judo classes, karate classes, um, how to shoot a rifle. Like, and it was pretty fun stuff. It was great growing up, and then you'd sneak off base and like see the real world. But I started learning about this dispersion of like living in the physical world to living in the digital world, right? Dispersions, in the late 90s, there was a company called Napster. And what people started doing was they took their physical CDs and they started ripping them. Do you remember ripping a CD and you'd, you'd rip all 12 songs and it took up space on your hard drive? And you're like, oh, that's a lot of stuff. I need to delete these 10 songs. They suck. So I'm keeping two of them. But we started dispersing from the physical CD to binary files on your computer um so let's talk a little bit more about dispersion because it's still happening and the obvious one was the 2020 story of wonder woman and how hbo max was going to release movies simultaneously in theaters as well as through hbo max so we don't have to go to the movie theater anymore and also through, throughout the 1990s, we started, TVs used to stink. I don't know if you remember before we had uh, 1K, 1080. TVs were awful. When resolution was like 480, like, ooh, very, very grainy. Very, very grainy stuff. So we started, disper- we started getting bigger TVs. I've, I've seen a TV that was over 100 inches at someone's home. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's a monster vision. But it's almost as big as a movie theater. It's not, but we're dispersing where we, we don't have to go out anymore. Christopher Nolan called HBO Max the worst streaming service. It's similar to JCPenney calling Amazon a terrible experience. Christopher Nolan's crazy. He, he's trying to protect him, and I get it. Pennies they fought companies like Amazon, and they lost because we dispersed the notion of going to the mall to the idea of we don't have to do that anymore. The mall can come to us. Now, unfortunately, some Christmases you're going to learn or holiday seasons, you are going to learn that if you order too late, the post office is going to screw it up or UPS is going to screw it up or FedEx is going to screw it up and it's going to get to you late. I wouldn't – you would have to shoot me. No, I'm not going to say that. I would rather – no, I'm not going to say that. Um, I'm not going to go to the United States Postal Service and send a package to family members because I'm assuming it's not going to get there. We could be 10 days before Christmas. I'm not going to do it. 20 days before Christmas. I'm not going to do it. Now, doctors are doing calls, digital calls, talent agents. Um, we're dispersing everything. AT&T CEO realized the market favors recurring revenues. And that's part of the narrative that's being missed in this whole you know streaming world. When you take a look at Netflix, I don't think the content's that great. This year they had some massive winners. The Queen's Gambit was a winner in 2020. Um, I think the best show that has been on TV in the last 10 years was on Netflix, and I didn't discover it until the pandemic, called Crime Heist or Money Heist. Money Heist. It's sexy. It's scary. It's funny. Uh, the dubbing is so bad that it's good. It almost looks like they went to Japan and said, okay, we, we need a Japanese person who can speak Spanish to dub it into English. Like it, it's, it's, it doesn't track well. And then you look at the dubbing underneath it and they may say that woman, that pregnant woman, but on air, they're saying that woman with a big belly. And you're like, that's funny. Like, do words really change that much? And the answer is yes. But what that is is all about a subscription. Every month you pay fifteen bucks for Netflix, or thirteen bucks, or ten bucks, or whatever platform you're on with them. Subscriptions are awesome. You know when I learned about the power of subscription models? AOL, AOL America Online. You've got mail. Uh, it was the internet on training wheels. It took forever to leave their paywall or their their America Online wall and, and get out there. But every month, you sent them a check for $9.99 or $15.99 or nineteen ninety nine, whatever it was with your ISP, because they became your ISP. That subscription, oddly enough, got Time Warner fascinated with America Online. And somehow, America Online bought Time Warner. And Time Warner was this company like, isn't that TNT Networks and isn't that CNN? Yeah. And isn't AOL like four years old? Like a child in the world of, of media? Yeah. For the record, one of the greatest implosions of a merger acquisition ever. Um, just very, very, very poorly thought out on Time Warner's part. They had the content. But AOL had the internet. And they thought we could make this work, and they couldn't. It was too soon. It is interesting that AT&T now is the company behind owning Time Warner, and Time Warner was the company behind AOL, and Time Warner is the company that's saying, like, let's screw over the content people who show the content, the movie theaters, and I use that term very, very lightly, because I think they're protecting their own interest as much as trying – I don't think they're intentionally trying to hurt anyone, Uh, but movies can only sit on the shelves for so long, Right. So there's, it's, it's, to me, there's, it's not ironic. It's a coincidence that Time Warner has been at the heart of two of the bigger dispersions ever. The death of the movie theater, it's not dead. But it's certainly not healthy, and it certainly doesn't help because AT&T knows that if you have a subscription, next year you can charge $1 more, and it's all margin. Now Netflix had to build up content, so they had to borrow money, they had to raise money, they had to raise prices, and they weren't earning money. So they and they did this virtually for as long as they could, and now they're printing money because they got that subscription model. Have you ever looked at an investment for one phrase? Subscription model. We've dispersed the notion of paying one ticket, ten bucks, at a movie theater. Popcorn ten bucks. And we were like, let's just do it at home and subscribe to it. And when we tried to do Movie pass, do you remember movie pass? That didn't work out terribly well. Where was the subscription to the movie theaters? Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more.
0: Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. You should have a financial plan.
1: Maybe in your 20s, it's a little bit looser than it is in your 30s. In your 30s, it could be more about accumulating wealth, but in your 40s, you should start thinking about managing it a little bit better and doing things right and wrong. We'll talk about the different age groups on a regular basis on this show. I think there is a difference in people, right? Um, I wish I had started earlier. How about that for the difference in age groups? If 50-year-old Rob could travel back in time and talk to 20-year-old Rob, I, I would be like, man, watch out. Uh, bet on Tom Brady. He's going to win a lot of Super Bowls. Like, I, I would love that. But I would also give myself some financial advice. And current Rob would say to future Rob, or young Rob would say to future Rob, or I don't even know how this goes anymore. I'm stuck in a time trap. I'm in a bad Christopher Nolan movie. Um give me some financial advice. What's going to be a big stock? And 30 years ago, if you said electric cars, I would have been like, you mean like golf carts? Because <laughs> those are the only things run on electricity that I knew of. But anyway, now I'm digressing. Um, you mean the combustion engine's going to go bye-bye in my lifetime? Well, maybe not bye-bye, but soon. So you should have financial planning guidelines. And I can send you out a list of what to do in your 20s. I can send you out a checklist of what to do in your 30s. And then I've got uh, a thing, things to think about in your 40s, 50s, and 60s as you're approaching retirement. So I've got three different things that I can send out to you. Uh, just drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com or rob at robblack.com. Robert, rob at robblack is probably easiest for you to remember. But in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, I always say that one thing, be charitable kind of learn that there's other people out there other than y'all. So that's a tough thing to say in years where there's pandemics or years where real estate crashes. I I don't want to tell you how to live your life or how to, but it teaches you sometimes the value of money, in my opinion. Um, So number 10 on my list of things to do every single year as you're trying to make right financial decisions is use any remaining flexible spending account balances. Anything that expires, try to use it. And at one point in time, I dated a woman who sold eyeglasses. And she goes, you should tell people on your radio show that they should use their flexible spending account on glasses because she got commissions for selling glasses. She was one of those people that sold like buffalo horn rim glasses. They call it like It's made with real buffalo he- horn. And I'm like, that doesn't sound appealing to me. They're $600. I'm like, that doesn't sound appealing to me. Chicks like me think they're cool looking. Oh, I'll get those Buffalo horn rim glasses. So I would use my FSA account on things along those lines. And you can use it at December 31st as long as you follow the first 90 days of the year. So maybe we you need your teeth cleaning or something. Find, find a reason to use that money. Number nine on my list is maximize retirement plan contributions. You have to do it before the end of the year. You can't, you know, add more money to your 401k uh, in January or February. Now You can fund some alternatives like IRAs up until tax filing day for the previous year. Thank you, government, for being cool on that. Once you get over the age of 50, you could actually put in $25,000 versus 19000 So when you're 49 and it's the end of the year, go, I should up my contribution next year because I could put in an additional 6000 in. I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. So look at your finance. So I've got a list of things to do at the end of the year. It's very different than what to do in your 20s and 30s and 40s. Make charitable contributions uh, for your tax year. If you could get a write-off out of it, do it in December 31st. That's fine. If, you know, 2020, it's going into 2021, or if it's 2021, going into 2022, Uh do it the day, last day of the year if you haven't done it that, that previous year, you know, during the 364 days previous. You can still do it till the last second. Here's how sick I am. I once did a donation, and I don't, I, I did it like at 1150, and it didn't hit the records till like 1202. And my account's like, nah, you can't claim that. You're two minutes late. I'm like, ah! and it hurt because it was a financial cross. It was a mistake. It was a swing and a miss. Reimburse your college, uh, yourself for college expenses from your 529 plans. If you've got kids who are going to college and you're using those 529 plans, the expenses you are reimbursing yourself for the year, you do that every year at the end of the year. Take a look at your income. Are you getting as much as of it as you should? Very important to do at the end of the year because once that year is over, you're not going to be able to do it. So, for instance, if you have an annuity or distribution from a, inside of a company, like you set yourself up to have a reasonable income and then you set yourself up to pay profits, you got till December 31st. Um, consider making financial gifts to children or grandchildren if you're wealthy and you're older. If you have enough money to live till the day you die, you can give up to 15000 to any one person year without paying federal gift tax. And it's even trickier than that. For instance, let's say you have a son who marries... Uh, Mandy, you can give your son money, and you can give Man- Mandy 15000 so it's $30,000. Now, let's say you have grandkids. You can give their kids 15000 each. So suddenly, you're reducing what might become an estate tax when you die by gifting it to the loves you're going to leave the money to anyway. So you're not going to pay that federal death tax or that state death tax, That happens to your state when you die, depending on how large it is and if it's in a trust and other complicating factors, but you get the idea. So at the end of the year, you want to have a financial plan that you're executing from the previous year. And if you don't have a financial plan, you want to have a financial plan in the next year. Um, Start thinking about what you're going to be paying yourself the following year if you're in retirement and how you do your distributions, because they're a lot trickier. Paying yourself in retirement You don't want to mess that one up because you get penalized for it. And the penalty is cash money, your cash money. And you don't have the ability to go back to work because you're in retirement. Retirement's the biggest vacation you're ever going to take. Take it seriously. You're taking a vacation from work. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial.
0: Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220
1: KDOW. I was just talking to my board producer, man. Talking about life. How we all progressed to it. It's pretty interesting to me that like I do a financial show, and it's not lost on me that I have a financial an audience that's looking for financial information. Um, I feel pretty lucky to do what I do. It's the area that I'm happiest is on radio um, it's just to me it's it's cathartic. Now again, you're saying, well, what about your kids, and what about that? I'm like radio's cathartic like if it, it feels good to chat. Um, I've probably saved a lot of money on a therapist because (laughs) I do it here on air. And all I'm doing is saying things that I see. Um, I see way too many people my age, think mid-40s, early 50s, and they have nothing saved for retirement. I'm like, that's going to end out badly for you. Um, Or just know that things are going to change when you stop being able to work. A lot of people think I'm going to work forever. I see people spend money totally incorrectly at times. And that, too, is going to end badly. Now, when it comes to, like, y- if you buy a new computer, well, there's going to be a new one in a year. And the year after that, there will be a newer one. Same thing with cars. Uh, the, things that, the biggest things that we waste money on are love, cars, and houses. Um, it drives me crazy to have, like, five pair of jeans. I don't get it. I have two pairs of jeans, and I wear them until they fall off. <laughs> I wore, I'm the original hoodie wear long before Mark Zuckerberg because I didn't want to think about what's in my closet. I didn't want to lo- lo- load up my closet. Now, with that being said, I still have too many clothes. So when it comes to money, and this show should be called Rob Black and Your Money, All Things Financial. Market volatility is something you have to kind of learn to deal with. Then you have to learn about insurance. Let me teach you the one phrase about insurance is that is all that you need to know. Insure what you can't afford to lose. I'll come back to that in just a minute. You have to learn about renting a home or buying a home, paying off a mortgage in your lifetime while you have income. Should you pay it off before you retire? Should you keep carry a mortgage into retirement? Depends on how much money you have. And with low rate mortgages, it's a little bit easier to carry them into retirement. There's life events like marriages and college. Death, buying a second home, vacations are big. I went into break with a funny notion. I said, "Retirement's gonna be the longest vacation you ever have." You know, when you're on your vacation, you're not working. Well, you're probably getting paid time off, right? PTO. But when you're on in retirement, you're not getting PTO. You're getting Social Security and ain't much. So, what you create in your life as a nest egg is gonna be paying your, for your time off. And Social Security was always meant to be a subsidy. It wasn't meant to be a replacement. But we've grown on it as, that's, I'm going to get a big check in retirement. The average check in retirement is about $18,000 a year. And when you factor in state taxes, some states don't have taxes. So that's why a lot of people move to uh, places like Arizona and Florida in retirement, because they're tax-friendlier for that little bit of money that you have coming from Social Security. Plus, they've got the early bird specials because there's so many old people living there. And they've got the movie theaters all set up with louder like speakers. and like it, It's weird. They're the land of the old, which is fascinating because I remember the first time I went to college, I didn't come home until Christmas. I was there probably August, September, October, November, December. And when I came back home, I was like, wow, that's what children look like. That's what a 10-year-old – because when you're in college, you're in a college town. And all you see is people 18 to 22, and then you see old people are your teachers. It's kind of a fake reality, no? But money isn't this difficult, and we make it this difficult by just ignoring it. It's the biggest mistake you can make. Time's on your side. If you ignore engaging in financial issues, you're, you're going to ignore your future, and you're going to wake up, and one day you're going to be like, how did I get fat and lost all my hair, and I have no money? That's my idea of a dystopian future, waking up (laughs) like a different body, and it's not me, and I'm incredibly, incredibly not well off. So I don't do any tax talk. A, I'm not legally allowed to, and B, it's not very friendly on the air. I will do the very, very basics on tax talks, but it's a financial component of the show. It's the one that I probably ignore the most. I want you to figure that out with your accountant or with your tax situation, because we're all slightly different. Whether you're a widow raising kids, whether you're working at a university as a data entry person, that, is, that university loves you and they're giving you low-cost housing, we're all very different people. I can't, I can't tell you what to do with taxes because I don't know you. I can tell you when I was in my 20s, I used to buy... Uh, Turbo tax, and I'd run my all my financials, through it in my rental property, and I'd go, Okay, okay, wait, wait, I still owe money. Let's run it one more time. Let's exaggerate my home office from 900 square feet to 9,000 square feet. <laughs> wow, I'm getting a big check back. Let's okay, well, that's too much. So let's get like I used to manipulate it to my favor, right? Or I, I wanted it to be manipulated to my favor. And a good tax accountant can help you find the proper and legal exclusions. I've listened to Alan Olson on the station before, and at the Holiday Times, he does a, a pretty funny segment on ridiculous tax deductions of the year, where someone's trying to deduct their tax uh, their cat going to a therapist um, to calm its anxiety, and you're like, you can't do that, can you? Well, that year, you could. And that's a made-up example, but like if you're a rapper... Can you buy a gun? Is that security or is that a sign of like power? I don't know, but it's probably a write-off because another rapper got killed. Um, Tupac, alive or dead? I don't know. Um, so I do a show that's really based on financial planning, investing in your four hundred and one k, investing in the individual stocks, insurance, homes that you own, homes that you rent homes that you own tied towards mortgages. I talk about life events. Having a baby is a $250,000 decision. Just feeding it and clothing it and putting a, a room over its, a roof over its head is $250,000. So if you and your sugar booger are 40 years old, you fall in love, you have no retirement plan. I, I'm not going to tell you you don't have kids because that's not my way. I'm a Mandalorian, and this is the way. I'm not to tell you what to do. You're supposed to figure it out on your own, but if you're 40 and have nothing saved and you start having two or three kids, you're not going to retire, is my guess, because you've just committed to like having a more square footage than just you and your girl. Now, again, that's me. That's like bad Rob Black. Good Rob Black is like, make sure you plan for that life event and set aside $250,000 before you have the child. Like I'm not Rick Edelman. Rick Edelman's good at what he does. He's a clean, well-thought-out. Financial expert, I kind of go a little bit dirty. If I don't know what James Bond drinks, but let's say it's a martini, I kind of like it dirty. I don't even know what a dirty martini is. I'm kind of naive. I know money. Let's talk insurance. I said I was going to talk about it. This show is a lot of things. One thing in insurance: insure what you can't afford to lose. In your twenties, I've got a friend, one of my previous board ops. He likes to buy computers, so he got an inheritance. He bought a, a fancy rig. Gets games, gets stereo headphones. like He's getting every gadget possible, and he's a renter. I'm like, well, you should get renter's insurance because someone could break into your house, someone who may be your friend, and and steal everything from you because they're jealous of your gadgets. And he goes, okay, that makes sense. And renter's insurance is pretty cheap. Then there's homeowner's insurance. I don't mind um, getting paint. Or if there's a little bit of uh, damage on a wall, I I can patch that myself. I don't have to make an insurance claim. But let me tell you, the the day that I was sitting in two inches of sewage that came backed up through the ground, in this case, I was a renter, so I had renter's insurance, but my landlord had homeowner's insurance, so he was thrilled he had it. I don't think I've had a major claim on homeowner's insurance because I grew up with a notion in my head, don't file too many claims because they're going to raise your insurance. And I'm like, is that true? Like, if you, if you hurt your car a little bit, do you really want to go out and spend $500 on deductible or $1,000 on a deductible? insure what you can't afford to lose. I could drive a, a scratched car. I can't drive a car that's been totaled. My first brush with car insurance, I was 21, 22 years old. And it was tough making ends meet. Because you're a college student and you're working full time, you're not working full time. You're you're going to school full time, but you're working part time. But you don't live with your parents, and you're trying to go on dates and you're trying to impress the lady. So, I woke up one morning and I had a piece of crap car, and my dad was like, "You have to have uh, both sides of insurance. So if you cause an accident, they get paid, and if they cause an accident, you get paid. Um, You have to like really over insure." My dad was he was big in insurance to the point that he'd waste money. And my car was a piece of poop. It was awful. So I wake up one morning and it was overly insured, too much insurance. A drunk driver had hit it and he didn't hit one panel. He hit the right rear tire, the passenger side door and the front tire, right front tire. So he hit three panels and it was totaled. And I was like, I can fix that and I could pocket the insurance money. And that's what I did. To me, that, that got me to Europe or that got me through the college semester. It, it, you insure what you can't afford to lose. It didn't hit the engine, so I was okay. But then going out on dates in a Chevette that's all knocked up and doesn't have air conditioning, and you're doing the Bondo work yourself and you're, you're painting it yourself, it, it, I didn't score points there.
0: Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm
1: Rob Black. Thank you for listening. I do wildly appreciate it. In the last segment, I was talking about insurance. And I really only hit on homeowner's insurance and renter's insurance. Insure what you can't afford to lose. I'm playing with the idea of a podcast, a, a new content-driven show that's a lot more like Rick Edelman's and a lot less like a Generation X. I've known Rick Edelman for 30-plus years. And I think it's fair to say I think he's pretty good at what he does. As I've grown, I've grown away from some of the stuff he does. And I replace it with some of my own stuff or some of the other stuff that I've lifted from other people. But I think he could do a lot worse than picking up a book called The Truth About Money or The New Rules About Money. Um, He keeps updating them. They keep selling pretty well. Uh, You've heard me on the show say, I don't really like Dave Ramsey. I just don't think he gives financial advice that's appropriate for a large swath of the public. So when you listen to like the Dave Ramsey show, it goes like this, Dave, someone calls it and goes, my, my boyfriend took my, my pickle jar that had all my money in it. I don't know what to do. Or I want to buy a car, Dave, but the interest rates are 3%. What should I do? And Dave's like, well, you you shouldn't buy a car at all. You should only pay cash. You Never get a loan. And I'm like, he thinks you should pay cash for a house. That's not realistic for 99% of America. So I've tuned him out. And the person I tuned in was Rick Edelman. Rick Edelman's got a amazing story about how a mortgage is the most powerful financial tool in the world and paying it off early might not be in your best interest. And I'm like, how is that possible? Because I grew up in the wor- world where... There was my dad would be like, well, we just paid the last mortgage on the house and we we're going to take the coupon book because when you buy a house, they give you a book that has 30 years of payments times 12. And you slowly take out one every month. And at the end of it, you, you know, take that last piece of the binding of that that held them all together and you burn it. Like, good riddance, mortgage. And mortgage has got the word mort in it, which means death. That's not lost on me either. And we've seen people like Milton Hershey create a town called Hershey, where he had factories that made Hershey bars, and he brought employees in, and he said, I will build a home for you and give you a mortgage for 30 years, but you're never going to be able to leave because you have to pay off that home. Milton Hershey was an evil man on some levels. That's all I got for you. End of the show. (laughs) No, no, no. so i I learned a lot and I've assimilated I've taken some of it and, and used it now again, you may like stock options, you may like medical device like we we're all different, and I get that. So when it comes to insurance in homeowners insurance, do you know the biggest claim on homeowners insurance? I, I said in the last segment, I don't make claims because I grew up in a world where you, if you made claims, they're going to raise your insurance. That's what my dad taught me, and I don't even know it's true. I know there's things like accident forgiveness and car insurance, right. I have a lot of insurance in my auto, auto policy in case I hit someone. You know why? I'm fearful of hitting a car of four attorneys, and they're going to sue me to high heck and take everything I own. In my home, I have a dog, Zero one one zero one one zero. I know you're saying you named your dog after... Digital numbers, no. no it just, he, he, she's just binary. I don't know if she's a she or a he. I, I can't really determine. Boy, Elon Musk got into a lot of trouble for saying that it's messy when you look at someone's resume and it's a he, she, she, her, they, us pronoun thing. Um, he kind of gets into like sticky areas. I don't care what you want to call yourself. It's your business. You tell me and I'll, I'll play along. I refer to people as sir. Have you ever heard me talk on um, Wednesdays to Patrick O'Hare? I'm like, please, sir, give us your advice. And it, like, I'm probably a little bit older than him or right in the same age, but I still call him sir because I was taught to call everyone who's over 20 as sir. You didn't play games when you had a, a father in the military. Okay. So mortgage insurance, a uh, homeowner's insurance. Oh, and you have to get mortgage insurance, which is insulting until you have 20% of your home paid off, right? That's insulting. So if you lose your job, they'll pay the mortgage for you. Will they pay the whole thing off? No. They'll pay that month off. Whoa. And then the qualities that you have to prove that you were laid off and not fired, It, it mortgage insurance. I'm not saying it's a racket. Biggest claim on your home, it's a dog. And that's why I got a dog who is known to be, uh, my dog can carry an egg In its mouth, And I showed people that the other day. So you get an egg out of the refrigerator, not hard-boiled. If you crack it against the sink, it's going to break, right? And you say, pick it up. Dog picks it up and walks around the house with it. So if some kid comes to visit my kid and he goes home and the dad says, your dog bit my dog. I'm like, that's kind of impossible because my dog carries eggs around in its mouth. I didn't buy a dog that's known for biting and it didn't buy a dog that's known for killing. I bought a dog that's known for being gentle with birds (laughs) doesn't mean they won't nip at a kid but if i have to go in front of a jury and explain why i don't want to lose my house and all my money because a bit a dog a kid i'm gonna say look this breed does not is not known for biting well you may have Cujo; he may have rabies that breed wasn't known for killing people and it did that was a horror movie huh a big old dog (laughs) i don't even know that could be made today it's so silly um other types of insurance to have. You, you insure what you can't afford to lose. Disability. If I get into a car accident and I can't talk because I'm I've paralyzed or something, I don't know. I can't do radio anymore. My ability to earn income will be gone. So I have disability insurance. It'll cover sixty percent of my income until I retire. It's the cheapest. It's it's the no most no brainer insurance for most of us. Most of us aren't going to die till sixty. And when I'm sixty, I'm going to have so much money that my my wife and my kids won't need it in theory. Whole life insurance, you don't need. You only need it during the term that you're earning income and not on disability insurance because it replaces your income. Think about what you need and don't need and stop wasting money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial.